Good morning. It is Kale and Company live for a Thursday. Great to have you along with us on uh, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 101.9 FM in Manchester, 14.50 AM in the Concord area, and streaming worldwide around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. We have a, a multifaceted show today, and we're going to lead off with Carol Lawrence Erickson of the Red Arrow Diners. And uh, Carol, good morning to you. Hi, Ken and company. Um, <laughs> gosh, it's so, so happy to hear your voice. Well, this it's been <laughs> great to hear yours as well, Carol. And uh, we're, we're commemorating uh, 100 years of the Red Arrow Diner. It, it is just a uh, you know, amazing. It's been around 100 years, open for business on Lowell Street in Manchester in October of 1922. And uh, this Saturday, Carol, a big celebration uh, scheduled on Lowell Street. There sure is. Uh, we, gosh, we have been planning this for at least two years. And, you know, coming down to the running, the past, like, few months have been Oh my gosh! Just a lot, a lot of planning, and um, it, it, it it's going to be really. It's well, it should be really, really good. I know we have the weather on our side, which that was a big uh, that was a big question for a little while. But um, I'm really proud to say that the Lamontines, that's the original family, David Lamontine, that started the Red Arrow, um, his son and daughter and relatives, there's 17 total, will be there Saturday. So uh, I'm really excited about that. Um, quite a few VIPs coming. You're one of those too, Ken. You know that. Um, so, and, and there's going to be lots of activities for the kids. Um, the event is a free event, although eating because we needed to have um, we needed to know how many people um, we charged the five dollar ticket, which all that proceeds is going to Waypoint. And I am kind of sad to say that those tickets are already sold out. They were wow. sold out. Oh, yeah. Why am I not surprised? I mean, we're I, talking about the Red Arrow here, Carol. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my sister, a Belmont Hall and Restaurant, uh, they're serving our food for us. So ah. my staff does not need to. Um, and as a matter of fact, we're closing all the diners that day shift so that. Um, all the employees can uh, can attend as well. Oh, so that's great! So that was into those numbers too. So, so the hours Saturday are what uh, on Lowell Street? Are for the event is eleven to two. We're closing up. The street is being closed off. We're uh, yeah, it, 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 all kinds of activities for the kids. We have three clowns that'll be there entertaining the kids, and you know, of course, doodle contests. There'll be some raffles. Um, there'll also be, um, area where you can buy some, um, you know, commemorative, uh, merchandise, you know, Red Arrow 100 stuff. Um, and a couple speakers, John Clayton will be talking the history, you know, of, um, of Manchester and the Red Arrow, of course. Yeah, um, sure. other speakers. Um, yeah, it, sh- it should be a great time. It should be a really, really fun time. Yeah, I also know there's a, a book uh, in in the works about the Red Arrow Diner and the history of the uh, Red Arrow Diner by our, our good friend Mike Moran. Yes, that, uh, yes, it's not quite ready. It, it's like so nearing the end. We almost made it, but but we didn't, but that's okay. 
that's okay. And yes, I, I've read it uh, a couple of times. I'm so anxious for it, and I love the cover. Oh, my gosh. Wait till you guys see the cover. It's really good. It's uh, awesome. Looking forward yeah. to that. As we mentioned, uh, the Red Arrow opened for business uh, in October of 1922. Carol, what led? Uh, what were the circumstances that led to you uh, acquiring the diner in 1987? You know, I, I, I was only 23 in 19—oh, now I just gave my age out. Um, you did, Carol. I, you did. I did. Yeah, but it's okay. okay. It's only a number. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I grew up in the restaurant business. My parents ran Belmont Hall. That's where I grew up. I really was not looking for this because at the time I wasn't working in the restaurants. Um, And it was a family friend, uh, Roger Bustard. He he said, come on, let's go for a ride. I'm going to show you something. And he pulls me up to the Red Arrow and uh, he says, what do you think? I go, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, would you like to run this business? And, and that's pretty much how it started. Of course, I, you know, my answer was, I have no money. I'm 23. I party and, you know, I'm able to do it. And then we got my dad involved and, um, and there you go. I was the fifth owner of, um, of the Red Arrow Diner. And one of my things that I feel, feel really, um, one of, I wish that I would have, known more about the Red Arrow. Like, I knew nothing of it. Um, I had never been in the Red Arrow, but I I knew shortly after opening how special it was. And then, you know, as the years and, you know, went by, then getting involved with the Lemontines and, oh, my gosh. I mean, Mabel Lemontine celebrated her 100th birthday there in 2007. And in 2000, I took her with me to the... uh, Historical Association Dinner when we were named the Landmark. That was really special. So I've always had the Lamontine with me the, the whole way. Wow. You know? Yeah. That, that, is, that is really something. And, of course, uh, the, the expansion uh, of the, the diner, uh, you know, first to Milford, and I know uh, that, that uh, restaurant is closed right now, but uh, Londonderry, Concord, uh, Nashua, uh, the expansion has been amazing. Yes. That happened when my dad retired, Belmont Hall. I was happy with my one. And then he said he was sick and tired of riding golf carts. Uh, Let's open up another Red Arrow. And that's how that all began. So my dad uh, is my partner now. Uh, We have also, when we opened up the first location, got our corporate office. and We needed to hire a part-time receptionist 13 years ago, Amanda Wibby. And she is now CEO and partner with us. She, like, Uh runs company. So I love that story too. So, so Carol, I have to ask you, uh, and any plans for more expansion? Oh, that you need to ask my dad. Oh, okay. That. All right. I'll ask George. Yeah. <laughs> the next time um, I see him, which will probably be Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always say no, that we have enough. My father always seems to, you know, squeeze another one in. He's 82 years old, 82. I, I also kind of would like to just put a shout out to all my employees because we could not do any of this without our employees, and they're all amazing. We uh, try to hire all the time from within. We have a lot of longevity with employees. Um, I just wanted to make sure I started them out there. Not too much controversy surrounding the Red Arrow Diner, but I know in, in 1998 it was a little controversial because uh, you made the diner smoke-free, and that, that I, was a big deal at the time. 
it was a huge deal at the time. And even my dad, who I run everything by my dad, and if he doesn't approve, I'm like, okay, I guess I can't do this. But I was so sure about that. And that was a man named Randy Garvin, who's a diner guru, um, gave me the statistics, uh, called my dad. He said, nope, you can't do that. That's not good. But I was so headstrong on that. And I did it. Of course, I called my friend John Clayton to see, you know, how he could help me with this. And um, it it was amazing. It was just amazing. And then and that was in... Um, that was in May of 98. And my dad at Belmont Hall went smoke-free in January of 99. <laughs> there you go. So you, so that was, But you were the trendsetter, Carol. You were the I, trendsetter. Look look what's happened now. I know. Which is a, a po- very positive thing. So, you know, uh, I, I don't know of too many restaurants that you can smoke in these days, uh, which is a, a good thing. Uh, yeah. And uh, you were really a trailblazer in, in that regard. And then uh, uh, very shortly thereafter, uh, you made it into the top 10 diners in the country. Yes. Go to one of the top 10 diners in the country by USA Today. And we had literally people from all over the world coming into the diner. And then that was politicians and celebrities and, of course, our very own Adam Sandler. Um, yeah, it put us on the map. Uh, I'm very grateful, very, very grateful. And very Adam, Adam's put you on the map in a couple of movies as well. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Eight yeah. Crazy Nights and Grown Ups too. yeah. Yeah, yeah. We saw. I know you saw Finding Sandler uh, yeah. at, at the Rex Theater a, a little while back, and uh, I, I love that movie, and the, and the Red Arrow is a big part of that movie. It is. David Seth Cohen, he, we talk frequently. If he wasn't in Florida right now, Doing, he's doing another Finding Sam Sandler in one of the um, theaters down there. Uh, he, he would have been at the event today. Um, but I think we do have a, um, a video clip of him. But anyway, hopefully maybe a that. Who knows? So Saturday, 11 to 2 on Lowell Street. Uh, everybody uh, welcome to attend. Yes. Outstanding. Well, Carol Lawrence Erickson, you have done a, a, an amazing job uh, with with the Red Arrow Diners over the years, and uh, you know we look forward to seeing you and everyone else associated with uh, you know the Red Arrow on uh, on Saturday on Lowell Street in Manchester. Thanks, Ken. Thank you. All right, thanks, Carol. All right. And uh, we are going to switch gears after the break and talk theater here on uh, Kale and Company Live. We'll be talking about the upcoming production of Jekyll and Hyde. Looking forward to that. And we have Jekyll and Hyde in the studio today. And Lucy as well. (laughs) We'll be right back. Kale and Company continues after these words on WKXL and NHtalkradio.com. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company live for a Thursday here on WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com. And as they say, and now for something completely different from the uh, Red Arrow Diners, we are going to talk theater and uh, specifically the production of uh, the musical Jekyll and Hyde, which is scheduled for the uh, beautiful scenic theater in Pittsfield. October 28th, 29th, 30th, and November 4th and 5th. And uh, we have actually three members of the cast here in the studio uh, today. Uh, We have Andrew Gibson, who uh, plays 
the dual roles of uh, Dr. Jekyll and, and Mr. Hyde, uh, Seraphin Affleck, who uh, plays the role of Lucy, and uh, Catherine Martinez is with us, our producer, Kat. You can join the conversation if you wish. <laughs> Thanks, Kat. And, and you are playing the role of? Emma Carew. And uh, I know uh, just just how hard uh, by, you know, Kat coming in here every morning after after rehearsals at, at night. And I don't think many times that people appreciate uh, how much time and effort uh, go in to, you know, the, the production of a show, not only for the performers on stage, but those behind the scenes and, and all that. And... Uh, Andrew, let's start with you. You have uh, played the dual role before. It's not. Uh, it's not new to you. No, this is actually the. Uh, yep, this is the second time. Uh, the first time was back in 2019 uh, with the Majestic in Manchester. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful group of people. Wonderful, wonderful performances. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really fun, fun opportunity. It's it's a challenging role, and it was a lot of fun to do it last time. So I figured, why not do it a second time? Yeah. So. Why not, right? Now? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and Seraphin, uh, I understand from reliable sources uh, that this was a, a role, Lucy, that you wanted to play for a while. I have. There's a tender place in my heart for the role because on my wedding day, I sang one of the songs Lucy sings to my husband. Oh. Wow, yeah. that is really something. And I've I've been a visitor of the theater, but never on stage. So it's been wonderful to join the Pittsfield Player family now. Yeah, They're so welcoming. I, I am ashamed to say uh, that I have never been to the scenic theater in Pittsfield, but that's going to change uh, very shortly when I, I see uh, Jekyll and Hyde, which I'm uh, really looking forward to because now I'll know three members uh, of the cast. Uh, but uh, uh, tell us, first of all, about how uh, a musical uh, comes into being as far as uh, the, the rehearsals, uh, everything you, you have to do leading up uh, to what is going to take place on those five nights uh, in late October and early November. What, what uh, happens behind the scenes, Andrew? Oh, man. Um... I mean, it's everything from learning the music. Uh, it, this and this score is by no means a simple score. No, no. Um, it's had many iterations over the years. Uh, the original score had a lot more music, um, and I think over the last ten, fifteen years, they've trimmed it down quite a bit. But even then, um, it's a lot of mixture of music and dialogue, and it's it's one of those scores that's deceptively. It's deceptively easy. It seems easy at first, and then it's it's got some interesting pacing, some notes that just can kind of come out of nowhere. So it's it's a lot of learning the music, learning the characters, working with the people on stage, um, and this is a very intimate show in the sense where a lot of the characters on stage have to interact with each other in unique ways. I'll say it. I'll, I'll go as far as to say Unique, that. Unique. Okay, it. that's yeah. Um, that's very intriguing, yeah. right there. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> you know, you have to be comfortable with the people you're on stage with. So it's a lot of repetition and working with those people regularly. It would seem to, to me that uh, this show might be a, a little bit more uh, challenging than, than some of the works out there. I, I don't know. I, I'm just uh, just a casual observer of uh, of the musical scene, but. Uh, is that true? Do you, is this a challenging role? 
It certainly is a little more complex than maybe a jovial role like an Oklahoma or uh, yeah, you know some yeah. of the more um, known yeah. um, shows. But what's beautiful about this one is that it does, as Andrew said, it allows actors who really don't know each other sometimes at first mm-hmm. to have to embrace losing who they are as an individual and really escaping into this world of your character so you have to become intimate in your personal space and very vulnerable with the people that you share the stage with because there's safety issues because there's a lot of um you know stage uh, stage um like stunts and things so they're gonna they're really gonna get to see something so unique that really is you don't see often in other productions Jekyll and Hyde is almost like an opera and so the music moves the story, and the storytelling is done so brilliantly, not only by the people that I, I feel so honored to share the stage with, like Kat and Andrew, who are outstanding. They're not going to get a community theater production. This is certainly, I would say, I've been a professional performer since the age of seven, mm. and I feel that I'm amongst professionals. And, and wow. that's not nice. only the leads, but that's the entire ensemble. Mm. And uh, how how large of a cast is it? What would you say? Uh, I'd say it's close to. I want to say it's thirty thirty something. Wow, 30 I would say people. thirty. And there and everyone, as you had asked, like the behind the scenes. Many of these people, they've never danced, sang. We have a lot of newcomers, and they've really enjoyed the experience. So you're not only learning on stage as performers, but people are allowed the opportunity to get to build sets and learn other. Um, elements of right. theater, which yeah. is awesome. So if anyone's ever considered wanting to do theater, the Pittsfield Players is a great organization. They'll make you feel welcome, and you'll walk out of that show learning more than you knew. <laughs> and and there are no stunt people. You're talking about stunts. You we are to, doing them ourselves. You're, you're doing your own stunts. Yes, there are sir. no stunt men or stunt women <laughs> yeah, lots of, uh, lots in of the show. Fight choreo, things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a physical show. Mm-hmm. It uh, is. Uh, yeah. It is. So, ra- it's rather demanding vocally as well. Yeah. Like I, I have the amazing honor of getting to do a song with Kat. As anyone who knows her, she's a brilliant performer. And um, so you're, you have these complexities of the music and then physicality, too. So they're really going to get a full show. They're going to feel like it's a professional production. You're going to feel like you're right on Broadway. Yes, For, for sure. <laughs> and, and, and Kat, I want to bring Kat into this as well. Catherine Martinez, our uh, executive producer. <laughs> uh, she, she, she just got a promotion there. Uh, of, great. Thank of, you, Ken. Of Kale and Company, our, our senior executive producer. How's that? Uh, wow. But how, how, do, how does this differ from, uh, and I know you've sung uh, a lot of opera uh, in the past, mm. but how does this uh, differ from some of the, uh, the other shows that uh, you, you have done? You know, it's really interesting, especially when it comes to the classical world. You know, there's such a difference between opera and music theater. And, and yeah, you know, Seraphim previously mentioned this musical is more like an operetta opera than, than anything. Um, but I would actually say, you know, the character work. The character work is, is very different compared to the opera scene. Um, and I'm really grateful to be working with really wonderful actors and watch them and take 
some of their interpretations of their character work and apply it to mine. Jekyll was really new for me. I was not very familiar with the show when I first auditioned um, or really with the character. So it's been really fun to um, dive deep and utilize not only some of the, um, you know, the classical work that I do and put it into Emma, but also give a different interpretation of her. Um, so it's it's been a really lovely experience. So I know you have at least one song with Seraphin. I do. And, and, and how about Andrew? I, I several, yeah. Several, <laughs> I have several lots of with Andrew. I sing in lots of duets. I sing in a quartet, uh, so four people singing at the same time. Have a lovely duet with Seraphim and um, a solo. I get one solo, so I'm, I'm very excited about that. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, just just listening to all of your speaking voices, uh, you know, just just makes me excited about about seeing the show. I haven't even heard you sing yet. I, I've heard uh, Catherine mm-hmm. sing on many occasions, but. Uh, not uh, not Seraphin or or Andrew, and uh, just by the way you articulate, I'm very anxious to hear what you sound like on stage. And I know you both and all three of you really have been doing this for quite some time. And I I want I do want to get into your backgrounds and what you've done before and talk more about Jekyll and Hyde. But you can hear that music, and that means uh, we have to take a quick break here on Kale and Company on this Thursday morning. Uh, great to have Andrew Gibson and uh, Seraphin Affleck in the studio with us, along with our uh, senior executive producer, uh, Catherine Martinez of uh, Kale & Company. Whether she wants to take credit for that or not, uh, <laughs> she works hard every morning here on the show and then goes to rehearsals at night. We'll continue Kale & Company live right here, WKXLNHtalkradio.com. Don't touch that dial. It is Kale and Company live here on this Thursday morning. Great to have you along with us on WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com. And if you missed any of the show thus far or just want to hear it again, and and who wouldn't, uh, we will repeat it for you after 7 o'clock tonight here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 101.9 FM in Manchester and beyond, and streaming around the world and around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. In studio today, we have a Seraphin Athlick and uh, also Andrew Gibson, and both performers. Catherine Martinez is our executive producer, and all three in the upcoming production of Jekyll and Hyde at the beautiful Scenic Theater in Pittsfield. And it starts October 28th, runs through November the 5th. How many performances total? Um, so it is five. Five. Yep. Okay. So you, you work, I mean, you've been working on this for a long time. And uh, five for five performances. That's that's a lot of work for five performances. Uh, w- would you rather see it be a longer run? I, I know that's, you know, not what's in the works. But, I mean, when you work so hard for months to put it together. You always want to continue it, it, doing it, it, it but yeah. there's a part of you that you have to realize, like, even if it was one performance, yeah, it would be all worth it's, it. It's yeah. all worth it yeah. because that audience is gonna get to be affected by that story and by the music. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about that. They'll have uh, lasting memories of it for uh, forever. And uh, so, you know, you, the, the work the work is hard. Uh, you know, and and pe- a lot of people just uh, you know don't 
understand it. I had a, a daughter that was very much involved in in theater at, at one time, and and uh, you know they're mostly uh, youth performances, really, and uh, except when she got to college. But you know, you you, you just People a lot a lot of people don't appreciate all the hours of work that go into it. Uh, they they really and truly don't, and uh, I can certainly appreciate that knowing the experiences my my daughter had. But Seraphin, give us a little a background uh, about yourself and uh, how you got started in this business. Well, well, I I come from a family of ten. Ten. And wow. My mother was a dancer. My dad a performer as well, singer. So we all. Learned instruments, sang, dance, um, but I was kind of sought or found out at the age of seven, and I uh, was brought to sing at the Vatican for Pope John Paul, and wow. from there it became, I traveled all over the world um, singing primarily opera, which is the sisterhood I have with my sweet cat. Yeah. Um, Italian's my first language, um, so I got to travel singing as a child and then was um, in New York productions, Les Mis as a little girl and and brought it into my adulthood. Currently, because I shared when we were off air, um, certainly COVID limited performing Mm -hmm. professionally, which is primarily how I've made a living. Um, But now I do a Marilyn Monroe tribute show and you I know, travel. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> well, so we have that in common, the oldies and that vintage, um, which has been a, a complete delight. But it's lovely to be in this production because it's more my more my wheelhouse or my my singing that I enjoy. And, and where are you from originally? So I've lived everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I have lived everywhere. You might hear a little twang. I was in Charleston, South Carolina for a long Beautiful time. Beautiful spot. New, yeah. New York City. But home was uh, Connecticut and then Tennessee. And every state you could think of, I was in the U.K. for a while as well. And, and sang at the Vatican at the I, age of seven. That, one of the most amazing experiences can, to this day. I can imagine. Wow, that that is uh, really something. So you you come from a a showbiz background, as it was, I as it do. were. Yeah, I do. It's yeah. in, it's in your blood, and the yeah. most important part of it is that you're you're able to bring some joy to people. And I think right now this is the production. Jekyll and Hyde will be their first full show since COVID. Right. Yeah. So if people can come out and support the arts, um, the arts are not dying. We need them. That's, that's what brings joy to everyone. Music is a universal language. And, and you know, we are, I, I think, in, for such a small state, relatively speaking, in terms of uh, population, uh, that we are very blessed to have uh, a very vibrant uh, theater community, I, I, I think. Uh, oh, I agree. Yeah, I, I think for a state which has, you know, only about, what, uh, a million residents. Uh, <laughs> More cows than people. Yeah, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, but the theater community seems to be quite vibrant. And, Andrew, I know you've worked uh, in the theater for quite some time as well. Yeah. Um, my... My, my theater bits didn't really start until I was in high school. Um, I took theater as an elective for an easy credit. That, that, was, that okay. was literally the oh, only reason okay. I took it. Yeah. And um, turned out I had a knack for it. My theater teacher in high school was a former New York actress and said I had the gift for it. So I worked there. I My first paid gig was at the Palace a few years after that. Uh-huh. And then I worked there for a couple of years. And 
uh, did a bunch of community stuff and then kind of fell off the grid for a little while. And in 2017, I came back and did uh, Christmas Carol here at the Audi. And it's been one show after the next ever since. Um, doing shows like Mary Poppins, Beauty and the Beast, um, and Jekyll and Hyde, of course, Mamma mm-hmm. Mia. Um, and I've been with many different groups throughout southern New Hampshire and in parts of Massachusetts. Wow. And, and where are you from originally? I'm from here. From here? Uh, I was born in Nashua, yep. There you go. So, uh, homegrown uh, talent, uh, Andrew Gibson, and uh, plays Jekyll and Hyde. What is it like to play a, a dual role like that? I mean, that has to be especially challenging. Um, it can be. Uh, yeah. it is both, um, it's both vocally and physically demanding. Um, it's it's understanding the mindset uh help understanding the story is a big part of it too i I read the book when i was in high school um it's a it's a it's a great story um it's a story that's inspired a lot of other pop culture hits yeah um including comic books etc um but uh it's understanding that the two have to be completely separate um jekyll and hyde are two different people what are what are their desires what are their wants you know, how do they think? Um, and then putting that on stage. Um, I think the separation helps in some ways. It makes it easier to know um, as far as how they would speak, their mannerisms. Mm-hmm. Um, we even go as far as to make Jekyll right-handed and Hyde is left. Okay. So, I mean, it's, it's little, yeah. little physical things yeah. that we do um, on top of um, changing the voice as well. Um, both characters sing and talk differently different accent, different annotation. Um, it just, it's its very, like I said, demanding, but um, ultimately very satisfying in the sense where the audience gets a lot of that, out of that to see um, those two characters portrayed so differently um, at the same time in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I just can't imagine. I can't wait to see this. Uh, and uh, you know, how, how you keep the, the characters and, and the voices straight. I mean, because uh, there must be quite a difference in... in uh, in, in voice between uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. So so I so one of the things I, I specialized in after after high school when I was when I was studying uh, theater is I had a knack for for voice and for um, dialect for accents. Um, so the thing first thing was to figure out what kind of a voice would Jekyll have. Um, Jekyll's voice is more of a traditional English. It's very it's almost like not a posh, but it's very it's elegant. It's it's easy to understand. Um, so Dr. Jekyll would sound a bit more like this, you know, very easy to understand, <laughs> not complicated. He's a doctor. He's well respected. Um, and then with Mr. Hyde, um, he he's he's dirty. He's 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 evil. Everything about him has to be menacing or really dark. So I, I put a Cockney and I put a Cockney accent on him and then I use my my false chords to create sort of like a really grovelly kind of sound. So Mr. Hyde sounds a bit more like this. He's real sloppy in his language. He, he, he can't understand them a whole lot. You know, he sounds a bit more like that. So it, um, and then vocally, um, Hyde sings on a lower register, whereas Jekyll sings on a higher register. So it's basically just swapping between the two. I, I'm just, you know, blown away already. He's amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah I, <laughs> you know, and I can't wait to hear you uh, sing the, the roles as well, uh, which you know, has to create another challenge. But 
you've done it before, and uh, you're doing it now. So you, you must uh, is is this you know the the your favorite role or uh, it is yeah, it is yeah. easily one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, not just not just because of how challenging it is, but because he is such a complex character. Um, or they they are such complex characters. Um, it's yeah, it is easily I would say probably in my top five. And in terms of challenging, how is it more challenging than any other role that you've played? I would say so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That is uh, Andrew Gibson, and uh, also with us, Seraph and Affleck. We're chatting with them about Jekyll and Hyde, and what a show this is going to be. It's going to be sold out, I'm sure, for five performances at the uh, Scenic Theater in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. A beautiful spot, and uh, we will talk more with uh, Andrew and Seraphin right after these words. It's Kale and Company live here on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. We will be right back. Kale and Company live here for this Thursday. And uh, so pleased to have in studio Seraphin Affleck. Af- uh, Seraphin Affleck. Okay, I, w- I want to get it straight. I don't want to. Uh, it, 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 it can be, I guess, especially for me. And uh, Andrew Gibson, which is not a tongue twister, but uh, at any rate, glad to have Seraphin and Andrew with us today, both uh, performing in uh, a show I'm really looking forward to. In fact, uh, I, a good friend of mine told me uh, this was years ago. He saw the uh, original production of uh, Jekyll and Hyde on Broadway, and and this is you know, kind of a you know a tough guy you know and uh, uh, but he said he left the theater in absolute tears. Is that is that the kind of show it is? I mean, am I am I because I I, I I cry easily myself. Well, it resonates uh, with uh, everyone. Yeah, I think yeah. men. I know sometimes women have to dr- drag their husband to the theater. This is not that show. He's not going to need to be dragged. It's a show for everyone except for children. No, not no children. children. No, no children. It's an adult and, yes. show. Not, okay. You know, it just because there are some, it can be a little fearful. It um, could it's it's be a it's scary. This is the time of year. I mean, it's a very it's a, it's a spooky show. Um, it is. I mean, it's based on a horror novel. So essentially, uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, get a sitter for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, See, a great date night. Yes, and if you want cuddles from your wife, it's a great show because she'll be clutching on to you. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> that's good advice. Uh, and uh, so you would you would classify it as a, a dark show. Mm, very Almost much so. Certainly. Yeah. 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 And uh, no kids. But what would you say? I mean, everybody's different, of course. Uh, but uh, like nobody under what what age would you say? I would Just say so anyone people... anyone younger than a teenager would probably. Oh, okay. All right. That would be my. There is adult subject sure. matter, sure. most right. certainly. Yeah. Um, I mean, anyone that knows the story of Jekyll and Hyde or um, certainly I'm not saying it's schizophrenia, <laughs> but um, and that's my grown up job <laughs> is is in psychology. So it does have some of those dark um Stories and right. it might go over the kids' heads, or mm. it might really scare them. So mm. we want it to be a fun experience. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, oh, yeah, I would say 
13 and up, maybe, at, at, depending. At use absolute, your discretion. Yeah, use yeah. Your discretion. Yeah. But not, not, for the, uh, not for the kids, not for the young kids. Uh, there will be other musicals for them uh, in the future. Uh, but uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, and and uh, what he told me was the, the music is very, very emotional. Mm. You know, it, that, that, that's what uh, struck him. It's stunning. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're... There's pieces in this that will will make a grown man cry, mm. and it's in such a good way. Um, but also the intensity and the way that it was written is so beautiful that there are some notes that clash that normally you'd be like, ooh. And as a singer, you're like, ooh, those notes aren't supposed to go together. But it creates an atmosphere. The voices mm. bring you into the story, and by writing it in, in that manner, it really does bring that like hauntingly beautiful yeah yeah it shows the contrast it shows really shows the contrast between the two different types of characters that you're dealing with um or four different types of characters if you're listening to a quartet but um yeah it's uh the music was written by uh frank wildhorn um who was actually who wrote for whitney houston oh um once upon a time and uh so yeah you can definitely get a sense of that very emotional Almost kind of power ballad, I guess. Oh, kind yeah. of yeah. I so love like it's it. it's definitely a rock <laughs> opera because it's not a traditional mm-hmm. opera in the sense because the music is a little bit more modern. I mean, mm-hmm. well, '90s, but still. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's it's different than what you'd expect from an opera because there is not a lot of dialogue in this show. It's it's I'd say eighty five percent music and almost certainly and I dialogue. yeah you don't I don't want to deter people that think you know opera. And it's like, right. you know, it's not like that um, at all. It's not like that. It's almost, I mean, comparatively, like musically, maybe if somebody's familiar with like Jesus Christ Superstar, that's considered a rock opera. Yeah, this right. isn't quite that, but it's kind of in between opera and that. So you'll have these beautiful ballads and yeah. just really unique songs that I think touch people's heart in a way that, I mean, I know even just during the audition, people cried. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, And uh, so you'd classify it as a a rock opera. And uh, so that's that's but not to be confused with straight opera. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So are there there some composers that are more difficult to sing than than others? I've heard like, for example, like Sondheim can be challenging. Very much so. Um, Sondheim is a very challenging piece. Anyone who's ever worked on Sweeney Todd or Company or any any or you know, West Side complex. Story, yes. very complex. Um, but rewarding. But very rewarding. Like I, I get excited when the music's challenging. Mm-hmm. Personally, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, because I feel like, especially in a community theater production, it's amazing to be able to walk away from a production and know more than you did when you walk through the door. And that's the amazing thing about community theater is people that have never performed before could end up walking out of there knowing how to sing a little better or know how to dance. This isn't a heavy dance show, but we do have a little. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly in the red rat scenes, that's my naughty scenes. Your naughty scenes. (laughs) Well, those would be something to look forward to, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Miss Cat is the sweet, innocent, lovely one, and I'm the misunderstood one. Ah, okay. Misunderstood right here in our studio, <laughs> Seraphin Affleck, yes, and uh, and Andrew Gibson. And so, how how would you rate in terms of other shows you've been in? Uh, is 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 this probably one of the most difficult to 
to perform, to sing? Um, I would say so. Um, yeah. It definitely um, pushed my limitations because I'm, I'm more of like a... I sing on a slightly lower register, so some of the songs are a little higher than what mm. I used to be comfortable with, and so it's pushed me to have to develop um, develop my vocals more than I've ever had to develop them, um, and that was back in 2019, the first time I did it. Um, and I'm certainly a little more comfortable now, having done it already. Um, and it's actually opened the door to do other stuff, as you know, other projects that would require that kind of vocal skill, because I didn't have it before I did this show the first time, and... But yeah, it's a very vocally demanding show. As a performer, uh, Seraphin, uh, do you find that you, you evolve over the years and develop new skills, as Andrew was uh, alluding to there? You know, you you gain experience and uh, you know try other things, and you like to be challenged uh, in the theater. I think it's important in anything, whether it's theater or anything in life, is to embrace the opportunity to learn, and and whether that's learn a different outlook and and see how somebody else's approach is or but certainly on stage this has been a, a learning experience for me um, doing it professionally unfortunately it kind of removes some of that excitement because that's how you pay your bills mm -hmm. so yeah. you enjoy the process but it's also you have to make sure everything is right yeah because you might not get a job. Whereas in the community theater, you're going to give 100%, 150%, like yeah. you would in a professional production, but you don't have that thing eating at you like, okay, I, you know, I can take time and learn from my fellow actors so that I could you know, experience this in a different way than in a professional production, because it allows you to be a little more vulnerable. Hmm. Is playing the role of Lucy everything you thought it was going to be? Oh, my word. I always wanted to play Lucy. So, um, unfortunately, as you see, I'm a platinum blonde girl. Um, I, I have a little twang, and I often get cast in roles that don't allow me the opportunity to sing that well, but I'm ditzy and or, you know, the, the bimbo. And... <laughs> Granted, Lucy isn't exactly the um, sweet romantic lead. However, there's a vulnerability to her that's very, I connected to, and her songs are amazing. It really gives me an opportunity to use my pipes instead of just walk across the stage and smile. There you go. When, when you play Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I love Marilyn. And, and I would like to see that, too. You know? <laughs> oh, I would love for you to come. Anytime, I'll send you tickets. <laughs> and, and, this, and this has to be, for you, uh, Andrew, uh, something that, that you enjoy because you, you've done this role on any number of occasions now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, very much uh, one of only a handful of parts I would actually play multiple times. Really? Uh, just yeah. Just because it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um my biggest kick, and like what Seraphim was saying, um, you know, community theater, it, it, people are more invested. And I once had a teacher tell me that, you know, you can pay $50 or $100 for a ticket. Money can always be made. But if you're going to see a show, did you work hard enough to make that audience not want their time back? Because time's something you can't get back. Right. So yeah. if they're going to sit in a seat for two and a half, three hours to yeah. see a live show, are they gonna remember it when they leave? And so that always stuck with me. So roles like this, character roles that are 
outside of the normal, yeah. you know, every man, right? Are are they stick out to me because they're roles that people would remember when you go to see them. I've gone to see shows that had very unique characters, and even if they weren't the leads, if that character was played really well, it sticks with you. I also just wanted to make a quick plug in here. We have one minute left. <laughs> yes. Um, so just to say quickly, we have a wonderful seven-piece orchestra that mm. is also going to be a part of this production. We have instrumentalists that are students from UNH and the New Hampshire Philharmonic Orchestra. Um, we're going to be having our first rehearsal with them on Monday as a cast, so it's very exciting. Please come this show and support local arts, community theater. The Scenic Theater is such a beautiful venue. Not a lot of people know about it, so we're really grateful for WKXL and any other platforms that have been promoting and supporting the Pittsfield players. And uh, that's my little plug for, for right now. And, and a good plug, too. Yes. And get your tickets soon, because mm-hmm. it's going to sell out. There's no doubt about that. All the shows are going to be packed. So get your tickets now. And uh, Kat, what's the best way to do that? Uh, the website, so www.pittsfieldplayers.org. You can check out our tickets section, and uh, we'll get you all set up. Well, thanks to you, Catherine Martinez. Thanks to you, Seraphin Affleck and Andrew Gibson. Thank you so much. It's been, it's been a delight. I always love talking about theater.